We are recording things. What's up, buddy? Not a whole lot. Where are you? I'm driving. I'm, I'm in Detroit driving down uh, M24 or I24 or whatever. I'm, uh, I'm just left. I'm just up M1 Concourse, the little uh, sort of a racetrack in Detroit. So. What's going on at M1 Concourse? Uh, we had a site visit today for that thing that you and I and the rest of the Grid Life crew help, helps produce. Oh, what is that? Uh, I'm not familiar. The, the speed ring event. You were there. Oh, oh you, yeah. You were. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, uh, we had. Uh, Mainly uh, just kind of like, you know, meetings with uh, track staff and tell them how we want to do things, where we want to put things, uh, figure out things. So, what, uh, I mean, this will be our second year at M1. What do you think the major uh, key learnings from last year were that you wanted to address this year? Uh, well, track side, I mean, it's a cool little track. Like, if you look at the actual layout and, and you drive it and stuff, like, it's not as dangerous as like a road Atlanta. Um, it's probably not as rewarding, but it's pretty cool little track. Um, but there's not a lot of corner worker stations and a couple of them are in like bad sight lines. Um, cause it's really not designed to be a racetrack. Um, and <clears throat> so I'm moving the chat, the start finish line, uh, moving that worker down to the turn one to where that worker uh, will be basically track side. Uh, behind the rail and you have to see him because in, in like unlimited cars we had we had unlimited cars like literally they're just trying not to crash in this big sweeper and the turn one or start finish uh, the checker flag station is like right on the outside if they hit the tire wall they'd end up in the station and it's hard to have your eyes go there sure yeah because um, because their eyes were going the opposite side of the track because that's where the apex was um and yeah and it's it's a, it's kind of a scary location. It's it's right at track entrance, um, and uh, and it's kind of a little worker hut. And if right. a car got if something bad happened, like a car had a big mechanical, it would go to that station, and I don't like it. So yeah. Um, well, I remember last year we had a lot of uh, like foot traffic right in that area too, right along that fence. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta. Um, we're not yeah, gonna do that this uh, year. Not so much. Not so much there. Uh, along the fence there is not as big of a deal. There's like 15, it's like 10 or 15 feet between the tire wall and then the K rail and then, then the fence. So you're not as in, in as much of a danger there as you actually are with the worker station. The worker station is a stack of tires, K rail immediately behind it, and you're immediately behind the K rail. So you're separated from like, you're separated by like two feet from the track or like three feet from the track. So um, last year I was standing in that worker station and with uh, with Dave, you know, the seasoned veteran, you know, guy that works corners basically for a living, probably done it for 40 years. And Tony Fuentes comes down around turn like 10A, 10B, the big sweeper there. Mm -hmm. um, and Tony's like crossed up and like fighting the car. Uh, and and uh, and he got through just fine. It was no problem. Um, but it's a scary spot uh, when you see a car coming through, making like 600 horsepower sideways, and then it gets straight, and then it gets sideways again. You think, wow, that car is going to end up on top of me. Well, and that so, car didn't exactly have any like uh, throttle control. It was either just no. like on power or not. Yeah, it, uh, it. They they were fighting some some weird issues with the car in October and, and stuff last year. Same thing at round five, uh, good life round five, but. Now, I remember it being a, it's not a great location for sight uh, as far as, you know, the ones, the one function the flagger has is to show you the flags and it's not a good location for that. 
uh, and it's also a little bit of a dangerous spot in my opinion. So we're taking that worker and we're moving him up track um, to like the 10B area, which is behind the rail by the track exit. Um, and so then they can see that little the little shoot right there where the Life Motorsports car lit itself on fire and we couldn't quite even have sight on it because there's too many barriers in the way. Yep. Um, so they can see that and then. Uh, and then I'm remo- we're adding another worker down at one, which is the little, right after the little straightaway, it's a little hard right-hander. It's the spot where a few cars, like, overcooked it and then just, like, touched the wall. I think uh, Cody Miles and James Houghton hit that spot lately yep. Yep. Uh, last year. So we're going to put a worker down at the uh, the outside of that. So that'll be kind of a better location for, for a worker. And we're also going to add one at the bottom of the long, long straightaway. Yep. Um, so we're adding two workers, moving one, and then uh, the guys in grid, which will be me and potentially you and potentially Gary. Um, uh, we will we will kind of we'll have a flag, a set of flags, and we will man the uh, the area that the old start finish used to used to cover if we need to. So yeah, uh, we'll we'll kind of have a backup there, but won't be positioned in the actual spot because I don't like that spot. Um, and yeah, the the bottom of the long straightaway, if you recall that track, uh, it's a really, really pretty fast straightaway. And the worker is up to the right, um, but you're looking down to the left. And the worker's actually like 15 feet above the track, kind of in the, I think, I can't, I can't remember what turn, but I think that's like five and six. They're watching that area, and they're also watching the big straightaway. But it's hard to see that worker, especially with like window banners, our windshield banners on the top of the windshield for sure so, yeah uh, so we're putting a worker down at the bottom of the straightaway off of the left and then if somebody overcooked it and goes goes deep in the sand trap um we can have we can make sure that the drivers will be looking at a corner worker down there so um and then we just did the kind of like a safety truck kind of you know audit and talk to the safety guys make sure that they have what we need like water on the truck their safety truck has a water it's a big water tank and a water pump and everything now so oh yeah cool um so yeah it's uh i think i'm feeling much better about the about the actual track uh, and about the event overall well i and, think uh, uh hosting yeah. an event like like this is also valuable to them because they can learn a lot more about what the needs are for a you know kind of a big production type event and the track really wasn't designed for like a uh, motorsports. It was designed as like a country club and like a practice track. You know, it wasn't right. designed as like a competition track. But uh, there's a lot of space. Um, you can you can walk all around the whole track for the most part. It's kind of a pretty little location. Like it's not 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 pretty little, but like it's pretty. It's yeah, like right. Cool. It's cool looking. You know, there's like. There's like industrial Detroit to one side and like these brand new beautiful car condos on the other. And, uh, well, how much has the the site changed since we were there last year? Um, really, they've only added car condos. They haven't really changed the infrastructure that we'll be using. Okay. So, uh, so for the most part, it's about the same um, for, for our uses. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a nice little place. Like it's beautiful. I'm looking forward to the event a lot more also because they have a new motorsports director um, and, and they actually have a motorsports director now, basically. And it's a dude that has raced against me and Eric Cattell and a bunch of our buddies. Um, he's a, uh, he's Was he a, an STL racer then? Yeah, he races STL. He races Spec Miata. He's a rad dude. I've known him for a bunch of years. Uh, Alex De La Torre, So That's um, cool. So he, get, he, he gets it. He understands totally what I want and why I want to change those things. Um, 
and he has kind of like trained up the safety crew a lot. Uh, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited about about the actual safety aspect compared to last year. Because last year we had really only never we hadn't really seen cars run there, so we're kind of going by what the track says is rad. And the track had never seen unlimited time attack cars run there. Right. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. So, and and we are moving the uh, the start finish um, the actual the actual timing loop. We're moving it to the little straightaway after one and before it's like there's like a there's like a little uh right left kind of s right after one uh-huh um, and then there's a kind of a straightaway and kind of a crest we're putting it right on top of the crest where cars would be going over it like slight coast the car will be getting getting a little lighter naturally sure yeah um, and I, I think the tape down will hold up a lot better there so, uh, yeah so i know that that, that was, that was something we struggled with a little bit last year yeah, well, luckily this event doesn't have time challenges. It's not like a 250 car event like we do sometimes. This is like a 50 car event. Um, so we have the time and the schedule to, to fix the tape down loop, but we don't want we don't want to do it. Right. Yeah. Well, another thing that we did that uh, is different from last year is last year we during the event it was basically two separate and distinct days of, of competition. Right, yeah. so there was there was stuff going on on Friday, or excuse me, Saturday, and trophies uh, awarded for that. And then we debuted our bracket format on Sunday. This yep. year is going to be a little bit different. Yeah, it's uh, uh, and we're also adding a Friday practice day, so hopefully the, car, the drivers will be better, they'll be more comfortable, um, and uh, yeah, a lot has changed in the competition uh, aspect. You probably uh, you could probably speak to that better than I could. Yeah, a little bit. Um, we the, prize, the prizing aspect is quite a bit different too. For sure, um, we recognized that there was a lot of uh, really high-end competition in some of the lower-level classes in street mod and in track mod, and we wanted to reward those guys or gals. Um, and so, uh, instead of um, breaking it apart in a bunch of really like uh, a million small prizes, what we did do is we we created the podium to be a little bit more distinguished and for street mod now, instead of, uh, I think, you know, a $1,000 winner Saturday prize and a $1,000 bracket prize on Sunday. Instead now, uh, street mod winner overall just gets 5,000, which I think yeah. is, is That's pretty incredible, <laughs> right? I mean, it, it's like nothing in comparison to the amount of money that those folks invest in building those cars. But at the same time, it's a lot more than, you know, zero. Um, and, and, uh, and it's really not now the brackets are more of the competition. That's the biggest, that's the goal. And, and the brackets reward consistency, um, which I think will reward or will, will in turn give us, uh, more quality, like less red misty driving. I hope so. Yeah, and yeah. That, that was kind of, you know, you, your, your, my idea behind pushing towards making it less of a chopped up competition. Right. Well, and um, a big uh, kind of distinguishing characteristic of brackets relative to traditional time attack is that um, in in traditional time attack, you might get lucky enough to get away with driving 11 tenths, even if it's not yeah. faster. Uh, but in brackets, because if you put four wheels off, you're automatically disqualified from the, uh, the, the, the overall bracket competition. It, it makes sure that drivers remain in control. And that is yeah. a tricky thing in the rest of a traditional time attack. Yeah, it's, it is kind of tough. And we saw it a couple of times at Road Atlanta uh, this past week. Like, 
you know, you, you can't make mistakes. You got to think your way through every lap because some of these tracks punish mistakes. For sure, yeah. Um, and uh, you know, people that have been on our show have now wrecked cars because somebody else went off at Road Atlanta. You know, Doug Wind has been on the show years ago, and he got smashed into because somebody went off, crashed their car, and then a bunch of cars drove down Turn 12 and like almost had nowhere to go. Um, it, uh, it, got, it got nasty, and, and that's Road Atlanta stuff. Those are Road Atlanta problems, really. Uh, but it's also, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta somehow convince time attack drivers that it's not the end all be all, you wanna drive a car home. And I think making the competition less about like the fastest, bestest, raddest lap and more about consistency uh, is that's a it's a different kind of competition. That's that's the thing I'm more excited about as far as safety goes. Is uh, you can you can throw it away by going four off instead of like if you go four off you just get another try at it. You know? Right. Yeah. So and you and I'll just, be the first to admit too session. that uh, even when I was driving in 16, there was uh, a couple of heats during Road Atlanta where I. I was driving faster than I felt comfortable to drive. And it's, it's <laughs> yeah. slow by, you know, the standards of the class now, but my, my desire to, uh, to try and be competitive and attempt to win was, was greater than my ability to drive. And I, when I got out of the car, I didn't like how I felt. And yeah. like, you know, we're lucky that, that I didn't have an incident there on track and this format, I think kind of, uh, pulls back from that. And like, you know, just make sure that people always drive under control. And I appreciate that. Yeah, it, it's not it's not traditional time attack. It's not wheel to wheel. There's no passing in the uh, brackets. It's it's more of like a lead follow um, reasonable gap, you know. Um, but and, the, the uh, strategy of the competition, too, is is what's exciting to me, because yeah. cars make different speed in different ways. And you as a, a driver and strategist have to understand how the other person uh, makes their their pace yep. and and deal with that. And I, I think that's that's interesting and it's complicated and it makes it uh, more of a I don't know, like a, a visceral experience for the drivers besides just doing what they're typically used to doing. Yeah, we're seeing too much of too many drivers pushing the send button a little too hard. And I think this will it changes time attack, but I think it also will bring in the safety that we're looking for in this track. I don't want to see anybody touch a tire wall unless they have like a mechanical problem. Sure. Um, yeah. Like, like the big crash last year was, was life motorsports, you know, hitting a wall, but that was because the brakes went to the floor. There's something like something broke or came loose. You know? Right. Yeah. Uh, I think, I think it was actually a sensor. A I sensor think you're right. Broker, um, a brake pressure sensor. But, uh, you know, that kind of stuff is going to happen once in a while. I bet, I bet the pressure sensor read zero as the, the brake went to the yeah, floor. Yeah, he probably didn't have time to, have time to figure that one out, though. Yeah, if you get a, if you get a full leak uh, and, you're, and you're in the car that fast, you got a problem. That was, like, uh, basically at the end of the long straight. Is that right? Yep, and, and, and that was part of the reason that I want to put a corner worker station there because I remember hearing on the radio, and, I'm, and this is, like, my worst nightmare. Um, you know, cars in the wall, and people aren't seeing the black flag. Uh, they're not seeing because the worker station's up so high. The sure. worker station can see them. The workers have eyes on on them, um, but they're looking at their brake marker. They're looking at the apex, and those two things 
don't have anything to do with the corner worker station. The corner worker station is 10, 15 feet above them uh, because the track drops off there. And, and off to the right is kind of a corner worker station. Uh, and that the corner worker station can see a different portion of the track and the big straightaway. So uh, I think adding another worker down there is going to be huge for potential problems to be able to get these cars, cars down if somebody's got an issue, you know. So. The other thing that I think we need to coach drivers up on a little bit uh, is those banners that go on the windows. Uh, they they should get shaved, and you should you know put the logo part on, but then you can use a razor blade to trim it so that it's not hanging down eight inches down yeah. your windshield. Don't, don't block all your vision. Yeah, it, uh, that that'll be part of the drivers' meeting too. The other thing sure. um, that sure. uh, Jeremy and Allison from Timing and Scoring did at the end of um, Road Atlanta, I, I think is really valuable. Is uh, they created an official. Uh, like timing and scoring change form, which I, I think we'll need to institute during oh, yeah. um, speed ring, but also in round five. Uh, we historically people, if they you know wanted to swap tires or wanted to swap drivers or anything like that, uh, have have really been like uh, able to just you know ping us or like you know say to us personally, hey, we're doing this, and yep. uh, been able to yep. accommodate that. If but, somebody wants to throw a set of Hoosiers on and just run their Spec Miata or their S2000 in Unlimited just for fun, like we've been, we've allowed that. Um, and at the points change, like your the points you earn, you know, or we have to wash those runs out. Right. Um, um, but, but that created a whole lot of complexity with, with timing and scoring. And if you have fields of cars that are, uh, you know, our, our, our car count at Road Atlanta was like 121 or something like that. This is a really big event, and if you have three or four of those happening in a single session, it gets really complex. And so, you know, they made it so that they have a you know, the driver will come fill out a form, and they will confirm with them that the change is happening, and make sure that like there are no questions at the back end of, of uh, race results, so that like you know no one has to clarify what happened or or, or dig in to, to fix a whole bunch of changes at the last minute. Yeah, we don't have to go find a driver and ask him uh, uh, who was driving that last session. <laughs> well, uh, uh, Jeremy, uh, they 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 you know jumped my my butt a little bit as uh, anytime something kind of amazing happened, it happened to be you know Tomo at the wheel, and so <laughs> you guys on the live stream are screaming for Josh Orr because he did a thirty three at Road Atlanta, which you know is not outside the realm of possibility, but you know it was Tomo in the car. And we, we found that afterwards. My dogs are barking, so uh, uh, forgive me. That's a loud bark. Yeah, she's a jerk. <laughs> so we picked like a, a perfect day for an afternoon barbecue. It's raining here, so oh, you know right. that, that'll be great. You got people coming over, you said, for a barbecue? Yeah, uh, my, my friends in, uh, that I, I got to know in Michigan – also came down here to work and uh you know i i picked up a promotion for my job like a week ago and he happened to get the the same promotion for him today oh, nice. and so uh i think there's going to be some celebratory beers sounds like fun yeah for sure i'm going to be driving back from detroit having no beers is that that's what like five hours uh about four hours <laughs> four hours if we go fast it's it's all like 94 right 
yeah, I'm on 90. I'm going to be getting on 96 in about two seconds, and then it basically turns into 94 once you get out of the city. So, so my uh, my my working office has like uh, I don't know 50 pounds worth of grid life trophies in it. The entire office smells like uh, hamster cage, so that's pretty Very cool. Nice. It smells good, like cedar, huh? Yeah. Everything's yeah, this, packed this, up, and it is, it is like, for, for those drivers not showing up to speed ring around five, we'll, we'll get a package in the mail. Um, but I'm going to try and just take as many of them as I can with me to, to reduce all of our shipping costs. No, that can get expensive, too. Yeah. I think, like, if you assume that each package was $10 to ship, I think we have, like, about 60 different shipments to make. And it's like, okay, that's well, too many. That's, that's a lot. We should reduce that. We might have to charge because Grid Life isn't making a, a mint like everybody thinks. <laughs> That's true. What you don't mean that you know, or you mean that we don't like just you know swim in a uh, vat of, of gold coins? Is no, we just work all the time and then have other jobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's we, seemingly both of us are answering emails and questions and texts pretty much all the time, regardless of what hour of the day it actually is. Oh, it is. Yeah, it's you're, you're, having the brain in two different spots is kind of tough, but it's it's happening. We're we're getting there. But um, yeah. So, what did you think of uh, of Atlanta? You uh, you were you were out there in the grid a lot this week or last weekend. I mean, it was it was cool. Um, I think uh, we, it was we kind of literally cool too. It was like sort of nice. Well, we uh, you know we passed around some some grid life uh, staff emails kind of at the end of the event and something that that stood out to me was uh to me this event felt routine right like there were there were some incidents on track that we had to deal with but it was very familiar and it was it was just like another event and i think that means that we're getting really good at doing those big festival type things and it's not nearly as stressful as it used to be because processes and 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 systems are in place to just kind of make things work yeah, and, uh, and then I then I still come away from it feeling like a colossal failure. So that well, I mean, you and I share the same attitude that we I don't know that we're ever going to be good enough at it because we always want to be better than we are. Yeah. Yeah. And no, there's always something you can fix. Uh, I can't fix a dude putting it off left and then trying to overcorrect after turn 12. Like I can't fix that. I can preach about it in the driver's meetings more and more and more. But that's road Atlanta stuff, you know? Yeah, right. Um but according to track staff, we wrecked about half of the cars per 100 that, that the usual race weekend does. So, so we, did, we did come away with that, even though we have about 300% more photographers. So there's a lot of pictures floating around compared to, you know, your average race weekend where there's like one photographer. Right. Uh, it makes us look like, like mayhem. But like we wrecked like almost no cars compared to the average like chin motorsports and, and the big hbde events even wreck more cars per 100 according to the track but um, yeah my goal my goal there is always zero cars correct but you're not going to have that at road atlanta that's a gingerman only kind of thing you know? well i mean and there it's not as if gingerman people get off scot-free because if you overcook it into 11 oh, uh, you can still you can still wreck a car at gingerman but it's it is still the safest track in america um, just because there's so little to hit, but, um, and we've had cars total the gingerman. It, it does happen, obviously. Yeah, right. People people seem to find a way. You can never underestimate the ability of a, a race car to find dumb stuff to hit. Well, and and I would say that Autobahn, especially on North Course, is particularly safe. But I was within 
I don't know, two or three inches from hitting a wall at uh, turn two. I, yeah, I spun not. at one and kept spinning all the way into two and off into the grass. And it's yeah. when you watch the playback, it's pretty remarkable that I didn't touch anything. And then there's there's more and more footage of cars at Autobahn, not with us, but with other events. Like, you know, they, they lose it in different spots. You know, they catch a curb wrong, cross track, find the grass sideways bump into uh, the tire wall and then roll the car like that's stuff like i wouldn't have imagined that happening but like it happened twice in one race weekend this year right it uh the track is really fast so when you got cars going really fast they find ways to spin out and they find stuff to hit and then that stuff can make them roll over <laughs> so uh it's uh I thought Rotolana was a really, it was a really cool event track side. I was really, really happy with like everything except for like the half a dozen wrecked cars. Um, well, and we had, and there was some pretty big things hits. going on, uh, kind of on motorsports side too. The the live stream debuted as a beta. Dude, what, it was so good. It was oh. so good. Oh, Matt and Matt Matt from uh, Specialty Field Production. He was at. Uh, at one today with us scouting because we're doing the same thing. That was actually a beta test for this event, for the M1 event. Um, the only thing that they're worried about at M1 is getting the upload speed to the internet. But um, dude, it was amazing. It was literally amazing how good the production quality was. Well, and uh, and Austin kind of you know put this into perspective. As the beta test, you can think of it as that is the lowest quality production that it will ever be oh yeah and no, it's matt was talking about like the ability to do 18 cameras today he's like oh yeah we could do like 18 if we have to well like, we're gonna holy, need one like, of them in the pits cow. and we're gonna need a person to talk to drivers i think that's gonna yeah. be critical yeah that might have to be you or mike cohen it's, or me we'll see i could probably do that because i if at, uh if at this event, james yeah. and and like cortez or someone are in grid kind of lining up cars um, i think it's just going to be you and me for speed ring Oh, is it right? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Speed ring is uh, it's pretty it's a small event and there's minimal staffing needed. But, right. Uh, no, it, I, I'm I'm really excited about the, the live stream. I hope it does well at speed ring. And that's a I think that's going to be a really cool feature for future grid bike festivals too. Absolutely. Uh, it it was like production quality live stream or better or like TV quality. You know? uh, there's some links to it on the Facebook page and. Stuff. Well, and I think if you, um, you know, if you Google or you, you go onto YouTube and you, uh, you search for just grid life, it's one of the top hits. And, uh, yeah. I, I think it's spectacular. Yeah. It was so fun. It was so cool. And like, it wasn't just, you know, various camera angles either. It was also, there were like drones up in the air so that you could get aerial shots of the event and the track and the people and all of that. And I Man. thought, I just thought that was incredible. The drone that they had over top of turn one, looking down on the S's, like it was like three, four hundred feet up. Yep. It was so pretty. Like it was just gorgeous, man. Oh, so cool. It, uh, it, it, it made me so happy every time he cut to that shot. Um, it, it was so cool. Um, and yeah, you, I think YouTube is the place to watch that. I think Facebook garbled the audio, but YouTube was the place. For sure. It was, it was fun to be on the live stream, too. Jared, Deanda, and Austin and I did uh, one of the sessions on Saturday. Um, and there was a camera on us in the booth. And then we had a monitor where we could see whatever that they were looking at. Um, 
and that was that was really it was really fun to announce and be able to see all these things that you can't see from the tower there. Yeah, I, I, to me that's that's like a kind of a difference maker, right? When you when you doing announcing can kind of see all the various uh, corners on the course, you really get to see in real time what's going on and yeah, we get, can we talk about follow, it. Yeah, we get to follow the cars around. You know, if, they're, if, they're, if we're talking about a car, Matt would cut to that car and they would follow that car around. And it was just awesome, man. It was just so cool. I can't wait to see the future of that. Like, that's going to be, like, that's how we make our drivers, like, you know, that's how you turn them into rock stars. You bring them value for their sponsors. Yeah, absolutely. Well, a, a really tricky part with Time Attack in general is that, uh, you know, partnership money is really difficult to get because the return on investment's not, like, it's not super clear to everybody. And... Yeah. We understand that the partners and sponsors want eyes on their product and on those cars, and they want the the drivers to be you know strong ambassadors for those brands. And it's difficult to do that if if you don't have fans and spectators watching. And I think uh, between brackets and this, uh, those that those address those major challenges. Dude, it's going to be so good to do brackets with with this live stream format. Like, oh my gosh, is that going to be awesome? Well, that was that was the biggest so request cool. from last year. It was like oh, people yeah. could tell because of the way people were responding on Facebook that the event was really cool and it was unique. But I got messages while I was standing in grid. Hey, is this on live stream somewhere? And at the time, we were we were broadcasting locally so that you could watch it on a big screen, but we didn't have the yep. bandwidth of the setup to be able to broadcast it you know, to the internet. Yep. Uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we have enough upload speed that it's good, but, um, yeah, if anybody can figure out it's, uh, it's rarely Matt. No, that's amazing. I'm excited about it. It'll be a fun event. Uh, Atlanta was a lot of work. Uh, I felt, I felt like mentally dead, uh, for like a week and a half following that. Um, but I wasn't, I didn't have my normal, like depression. It was, it was, uh, it was, I get depressed after these events because you get you're on such a high for so so many days, you know. Right. Um, that like your brain is like chemically drained, um, but it it felt like you said more routine, uh, which was which was good. I'm, I'm excited about the future, man. I'm really well, like when when I came away from it, it when a, in in feeling routine, I came away from it just feeling like absolutely pumped that now we have the capacity and the means and the, the understanding to add more, right? Like yep. you know, if we were previously overwhelmed with the amount of uh, content and product that we were producing, now it's like, okay, well, what's next? Yep. Because uh, in the same way that the drivers get, get jazzed and like stoked about doing the events, I want that same amount of like hype for me as, as a person helping to run the event. It's like, uh, to me, um, at round what two at Gingerman Festival, I had six straight hours where I was like a hundred percent focused on producing the what I think to be like the coolest competition format we've had to date. Yep. And when I got done, I was mentally exhausted. Oh yeah, I worry out. So, and, and think of all the lessons we learned on how to run that that style at Gingerman. And now we know. And now sure. we know we can do, we can do more of it in a less period of time, and like we learned a lot of things about it. Um, well, and and the ability, like for example, something that that streamlined our process quite a bit was, in the event of a tie, instead of leaving the cars back out to do warm up and cool down laps again, 
This bring time we bring them in and we send the next row out. And when the track is clear, we can send that tiebreaker out. And we actually save quite a bit of time by doing that. Absolutely. Yeah. And then there's no confusion. You always come in after two, lap, two hot laps. Uh, and then uh, you, know, hot, you go out, warm up lap, do a hot lap, switch on a cool down lap, do another hot lap, and you come in. Um, and then, then it's easier on the cars that are lacking brakes, et cetera, too. Sure, yeah. Well, and it also means that for some of those unlimited cars that might not have enough fuel in the fuel cell to be able to to run that many hot laps or even cool laps continuously, this gives them uh, you know a, an extra minute or two of hardship time to refuel and to fan off on stuff and do whatever to, to yeah. make sure that the cars are at their best. No, I, I, I love the bracket format. I want to do it at all events. Um, I know some drivers uh, at first were against it, but I think overwhelming – an overwhelming amount were not against it after doing it. But, um, well, I, I think um, one of the one of the pieces of feedback that I heard from a lot of people, not just the people that might have been apprehensive about brackets, was um, this year it was almost a, a near last minute decision on which events were going to be brackets and which ones were not. Next yeah. year we should do that before the ticket sales go live. We should be very specific which events are going to be which type of format just so that people know what they're getting into, even though I yep. don't think that's yep. going to affect people's desire to buy into the so season. Um, I, I got, I got too many ideas trackside on what to do next year. Um, well, and, and you and I keep a, uh, we keep a log. Uh, it's like a Google doc where at any time we have a good idea, we just write it down because yep. there's, and I think it's like two or three pages worth of stuff even for next year. Yeah. It's uh it's going to be good, man. It's going to be good. What time does your barbecue start tonight? Um, I'm going to get off the phone here before too long, and uh, I think i gotta, I got to peel and cut some peaches because we're going to make some cobbler. And, okay. Uh, I, already, I already made hamburger patties, so that's good. And, uh, yeah, it, I think it'll be in 6, 6.30, something like that. That's cool. The, uh, uh, the last thing I wanted to talk to you about is how's your Jeep? <laughs> uh, it's, it's back. Um, it's running well for now. Yeah. Um, for listeners, you've got a diesel, a diesel Jeep and, uh, you bought it last year. And, no, I bought uh, it this year. Oh, you bought it January this year. Right? Yeah. And how much, uh, how much, how much in warranty work has it seen since then? $12,500. So <laughs> much. Uh, so I, I sold my Silverado pickup that I really liked and, uh, I, I got a diesel Jeep. And when the yeah. diesel Jeep is running great, it is the perfect vehicle for me. Uh, fuel yeah. economy is is incredible. I drove from Indianapolis up to Road America and back on one tank of fuel. Yeah, and it gets, it gets like 30 miles per gallon. It gets 30 miles per gallon, which is amazing for something that can tow that much. Uh, An but 30 miles per gallon. And, but it's, it's a little complicated because there are components in it that, especially the emissions components, if there's a fault it could uh, disable the vehicle effectively completely until that yep. fault gets fixed. And so the most recent visit was the, the diesel particulate filter was being reported as completely full, even yeah. though there was no warning or regen message uh, encouraging me to like passively regen by driving on the highway, which is supposed to indicate. Yeah. And uh, when I, I my, my dad was driving the vehicle at the time, he lives in Northern Indiana 
And so he uh, called the, the first local dealership and it was clear that they didn't have any idea how to handle like diesel Jeeps or, you know, the, the small diesel pickups. And so yeah. they were giving us instructions that like straight up weren't going to work. Um, and so they recommended a couple of other shops that are smaller market, but they tend to work on more diesels. And uh, we, they were basically booked a couple of weeks out. So I had them uh, give my dad a rental for two or three weeks. And they, when they started working, they pulled the filter out and the, it had just basically like cracked or crumbled or whatever the word was, which was just basically a total failure on the filter. And uh, they could not get a replacement because there were none. That'll happen. And so <laughs> I, I had to, uh, I had to call like Jeep corporate and say, Hey, you know, I really depend on this vehicle and I bought it because I wanted something reliable. And right. at the moment it's been anything but, and so they, they escalated my case and they, after about a week and a half, they found another filter and, uh, they said parts and labor on that service. Had I not had my, uh, warranty coverage would have been about $3,000. That's a lot of money, man. So you're, you're not going to, you're not going to believe this. I know it sounds like I'm lying. Um, but I'm on 96 or 14 slash 96 right now. And I'm following a flatbed truck. Um, and there's a white Jeep diesel on the truck. <laughs> that doesn't surprise me at all, actually. I'm, I am freaking dead serious. It's the same vehicle you have. <laughs> so, so if you own one of those, get a warranty. Yeah, and, well, uh, so I, I sold my uh, truck, which was supremely reliable. It was perfect, yeah. except the fuel economy was garbage. And yeah, you, I, had, you had LS problems. It was I had 6.2 LS problems. That was a 6.2? Yeah. Wow, big truck. It was awesome. Um, yeah, that was, that was a nice truck. Yeah. But, uh, you know, I'm driving a lot. I was driving a lot for personal. And I think last year I drove about 5,000 miles for travel to grid life events. And that fuel yeah. cost adds up for sure. And so it was just didn't, didn't fit my needs really. And uh, this is quite a bit cheaper. But I, I knew that the reliability was kind of suspect. So I bought it with the MaxCare warranty. And it has paid for itself four times over. Four times over. Yeah. And I asked cool. the, uh, the, the Jeep corporate people if there was any amount of like, I don't know, uh, exclusion or buyout after a certain dollar amount. And the lady was like, nope, you're just going to have to keep making claims. So I said, okay, I will plan to do that. Woof. Yeah. Well, best of luck with you on that one. Well, you know, I'll keep driving it. And then uh, when it, when it, just finally blows up. I guess I'll just have to quit life. I think I've spent about 10 or 15 hours in it and I really like it. It's a freaking nice truck. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. It's really nice. When it, when it's, when it's doing truck things, it's freaking sweet. Did you see <laughs> that, um, the new F one fifty diesel is out and on the showroom now? I did not know. I don't follow new trucks. I, I, well, I, it's not like I, I can really afford them. The, uh, you know, they, yeah. they obviously upspec all of the, the rest of the components on the truck so that you, when you want the diesel, you have to buy the premium one, right? And I yeah. think the yeah. MSRP on a diesel F-150 is like $68,000. Oh my gosh, on an F-150? On an F-150. And that's is not that even the highest trim. Oh my gosh. Which, which is something I just don't understand because at that price point, you could get a lower spec 2,500 diesel. 
But you know they or they just have... buy like a used one and then a brand new Mercedes. Yeah, right. <laughs> and then like have, have a two vehicle solution. Speaking of car problems, I have not yet touched the Evo since Richard left my house like three weeks ago. No, oh, your poor neglected Evo. Well, I don't know. I just I, I I don't have desire to work on it right now, and it seems like we're pretty busy. And what I'd really like to do is just throw it on a trailer and take it up to Andy and have him look at it and make it right, and then just go pick it up. I don't want to work Great. on it right now. Bring it to Mr. Smedegard. So I, I have I have heavily touched my uh, my project though. Uh, my my Civic is almost a roller. Uh, my race car Civic. It's uh, I've got the I've got to put the front suspension on it, the front knuckles, and then it then it has full suspension. Um, and then I get to then I get the plumb brake lines, and then I can put it back on the ground and just wire it up and drive it. I'm really excited. Are you going to put a, uh, a an awesome motor in it, or what are you going to use? An awesome what? Motor. Oh, it's uh, it's already got an engine in it. I, I, uh, Richard and I put that in. It's got. It's a 1.5 liter. Uh, it's it's sort of built for the SCCA STL class, uh, which is you know engine displacement determines your weight. Um, so with a 1.5 liter, it would be a 1,975 pound car race weight. So um, that's pretty really, light. Really, really light. But, um, yeah, I've got an STL built motor in it. It's got a big cam, uh, 11 to 1 compression, you know, all the all the valve train that you can put into it, and uh, a wild. Like the wildest Honda D series cable trans ever, but uh, uh, yeah, and that stuff's all in it. I, can, I need to put it on the ground and then wire up the Haltech and, and go from there. I'm excited, man. I'm like, I'm like so excited. That's awesome. There. Do you think it'll Getting be ready there. by round five or no? Uh, that's the it was the goal, but I don't know. We'll have to see. I'm, I'm trying to do something every day, um, and uh, if I do something every day, it's got a good chance. And if, uh, if I don't, uh, if I don't think it's going to make it, I'm going to try to finish the couple little projects on the Frasier and try to sort that out some more, uh, at round five during the HPDE sessions. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to try to have something at round five. We'll see. That's cool. All right, man. I think I got to get off the phone here and get ready to entertain some guests, but, uh, we should do another show real soon. Well, when you, uh, when you, when you get a chance, upload this and I'll throw it up uh, on, onto a show. Cool. Uh, just throw it on the drive and I'll do that. And then uh, maybe we can do another one tomorrow. Sounds good, dude. Have a, have a good time at your uh, Hey, Look at Us Getting Promotions party. Cool. And, See you, buddy. I'll be, I'll be following this crappy Jeep on a flatbed. Yeah, there you go. See you, buddy. <laughs> See you, man.